the island in the desert, it's life punctuated at Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live on stage and without notes from Boise, Idaho. I'm the slammer that just missed sharing my story, Stephanie. It's the slam from our flagship season of punctuation marks, comma held on March 27, 2018 at Jump. During the slam, we randomly drew names and the brave few came on stage for a five minute story, except me. I was the last name. I just got to come up and read this intro. It's story time, and the story you're not going to hear was about teaching and how I thought I was a really good teacher until parents came to me and told me that I forgot a comma. It's Corey B. So this is something that I've decided that I will tell at least twice now in my life because I will tell this at a funeral. I know it sounds really, really dark, but that's how special this story is to me. So he was born in Alabama. He was a starting quarterback at an HBCU. He was a machine gunner in the Marine Corps, a drill instructor in the Marine Corps, and he is my father. Back in about 2005, might have been early 2006, after Hurricane Katrina hit, in our neighborhood back in San Diego, there was a group of young black kids who were going through the neighborhood, showing off their cleaning product, trying to get people to buy. My father opened the door, as he always does for anyone says hello, and this kid just starts spewing his entire deal to my dad. I'm standing behind him like, oh, I don't know about this. Seems, seems kind of weird. He listened to the entire thing, and when he was done, he looks at my dad, and he goes, sir, that's a really, really nice shirt you're wearing. Like, well, that's... I guess that's one way to get a sale, um, compliment them. My father says, thank you very much, looks the kid dead in the eyes, takes his shirt off and hands it to him. <laughs> and he says, here you go. And it was, it's not so much that it was the shirt that the kid liked, it was the fact that my father was willing to literally give the shirt off of his back to someone in need. Thank you. Dave Lee. Good evening. I wasn't really planning on speaking today, but uh, uh, this story is about something that happened to me just this morning. And it in, I guess it involves comma in the sense of a very significant pause. Uh, I wasn't going to get up today, but the last speaker kind of inspired me when she was talking about how her apparently bad event turned out to be a real life awakening event. I had a similar event about seven years ago. I wasn't arrested, but I uh, did have a brain tumor. 
which as you might imagine was pretty scary. That was seven years ago, so I've been, been very fortunate in that regard. Uh, and at the time I was stricken with that, I was just kind of coming out of a, I guess what you could call a midlife crisis. Nothing ends a midlife crisis quicker than a potential end of life crisis. <laughs> Especially when it turns out to have a happy ending, which at least so far it has. Uh, the nature of brain tumors, somewhat different than other cancers, is you know, other cancers. I think they often say, you know, five years is sort of the clear mark. Brain tumors, it's not quite like that. It looks good for me, but I still have the possibility of something in the future hanging over my head. But as each year goes by, I feel better about that, and I still have to get yearly MRIs and. Uh, it's gotten to a point where that's gotten pretty routine for me. And when I show up at the place, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, I know the drill. Yeah, just put me in the tube, no music, no, you know, I, just let me zone out. And as usually, as part of my regular routine, I sign the release form and ask them to send me the report so I kind of know what's going on before I have my follow-up with the doctor. And again, that's usually pretty routine. I get the report usually has some incredibly technical language in it, as you can imagine, but there's usually basically three words I'm looking for in that report, and it's usually somewhere towards the end. And it's just uh, no evidence of recurrent neoplasm. I see those words and I'm like, okay, I'm good for another year at least. And I just had this year's MRI last Monday. And I did the usual routine, signed the thing, asked them to send me the report. Uh, and they said, oh, they probably get in the mail the next day. So I'm like, okay. So Tuesday goes by, Wednesday goes by, check the mail. Oh, it's not in the mail. I wasn't worried about it too much. It'll probably be there tomorrow. Thursday, not in the mail. Uh, Friday, Friday, not in the mail. Saturday, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I got to wait till Monday. It wasn't there yesterday, but I oh, don't worry about it. Uh, and then I went to check the mail today, and suddenly, it's amazing how the darkness can kind of take over you pretty quickly. And I suddenly started to worry. Oh, and by the way, I called the place on Friday and got routed around to someplace that left a voicemail that never called me back. And suddenly, dark thought came over my mind, and I thought, wait, what if they're not giving it to me because it's bad news? And they don't want me to know until I see the doctor. What if they're holding it back? And for some reason, within like about an hour's time, that story took a grip on me, and I found myself getting kind of grouchy and not quite having the post, the cancer survivor bliss that I was counting on, and at the same time telling myself, oh, you're worrying too much, that's ridiculous. Well, maybe ridiculous, but worry works that way. And so I decided to go down to the MRI place to kind of see what happened and uh, went into the place and said, I had an MRI last week. They were gonna send me the report. Uh, I still haven't seen it, and wh whatever the reasons were, they said uh, they could print the report for me, so i still kind of nervous awaiting it, and she comes out and hands me one page. I'm like, they're usually longer than that. Uh, and I said, it's only one page? She goes, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, and I, just in case it was bad news, I didn't want to read it right there. I stepped out to my car, and I'm reading through 
the usual technical language and looking for those magic words and I'm reading through the whole page and this is where you get to the comma or the pause where it just was like kind of it wasn't a comma an actual comma but just a pause and I'm like wait I didn't see the words I was looking for and what I did see at the end of the page was page one of two So I went back in and I told the, the receptionist that, and she goes, oh, our printer must have run out of paper. <laughs> and she printed it and handed me the second page, which had just a couple lines on it, but yeah, it got right to the end and it had the words I needed, no, no evidence of recurrent neoplasm. <laughs> Thank you. Cindy Freckle. Um, my name is Cindy, and let's see, commas. <laughs> not, not coma, comma, right? Okay, all right. Um, well, if you have a story about a comma, go for it. Okay, yes. Here it goes. How did I get here? That would be Boise, comma, Idaho. Okay? I lived in Arizona. I don't know how many of you have ever been in Arizona. It has three seasons. Hot, hotter, and are you freaking kidding me? Or <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> so I came home one day and I just, I told my husband of one year, I said, honey, I hope you didn't marry me for the money because I just got laid off. And with that, no, it was a good thing. And with that, I said, you work from home, so we could move anywhere, right? And he said, sure. He says, well, where would you want to move? And I said, well, I, I don't know. Um, but I do know what I don't want, and I know what I do want. What I don't want, I don't want tornadoes. I don't want earthquakes. I don't want humidity. I don't want, let's see, I, I want at least 200 and maybe 10 days a year of sunshine. I have to have mountains, that's a deal breaker, and I would like water. And maybe a coals, but that's not a deal breaker. <laughs> so, so he told me, he says, well, how about Boise? And I go, Iowa? That's humid. <laughs> this is a true story. So he, he says, no, Idaho. And I said, well, I've never been there. I've never, I, I, okay. He says, well, you need to get on a plane and go by yourself. I don't want to go with you because I don't want to sway you one way or the other. You have to see if you like it. So I did. I got on a plane, flew out here, absolutely loved your city. It was awesome. It, even the lady at the airport, from the time I got there, I asked her where the rental car place was because I get lost in a driveway. So I didn't want to leave the airport without knowing where the cars were. So she told me where they were, and she asked me why I was there, and I told her, and she says, well, good luck, you're just going to love it. So I went, and I met all these different people, and they were so sweet, and then I thought, well, I wonder if they're really this nice. So I went to <laughs> Barnes & Noble and was looking at books. Best way to find out the real temperament of people is you sneeze. And I count how many people say, bless you. That's the level of niceness. <laughs> So everybody, about three or four people said, bless you. I thought, okay, I'm home. 
so I, I called my husband. I said, I love it. I, we've got to move. I, this is just wonderful. So then I packed up my bags. I went back to the airport, and I'm walking. I don't know a soul here, nobody. And I hear somebody at the airport going, ma'am, ma'am. I'm thinking, oh, they're not talking to me. Nobody knows me. I haven't assaulted anybody, you know. And it's the lady that I met that told me where the car place was. She goes, well, how did you like Boise? I said, I absolutely loved it. I'm going home to pack. So I did. We got home. We packed, sold our house to the third person that, that looked at it, loved it. And here we are. So thank you. <laughs> Jeff Mandel. Well, I can't believe that Jody is trusting me to do this. Um, Marnie Ellis is a good friend who's on the board, and uh, a few weeks ago, in my um, joy of being married to this amazing woman, I said to Marnie, I want to give a toast to Mary. And she said, that's so exciting. Sorry, these lights are so... I would have rehearsed with lights, but I, I didn't. Um, <laughs> She says, that's really exciting that you want to honor Mary like that, and so I'll ask Jody. And so Jody responds and says, that would be great, but I'd like a list of the highlights of your marriage uh, separated by commas. And I said, I said, I love words. I, it's not a problem. And so, but then I started thinking about it, and as public a person I am, we're essentially I have no secrets. My wife isn't really like that, and she's a much more private person. And, and yesterday I realized, Jody said, well, look, you just decide last minute and tell me whether it's a yay or nay. And so yesterday I said, it's a nay, and it would bring unwanted attention to Mary, and she really wouldn't like it. And so um, this morning I woke up and decided I was going to do this great Facebook post. And so I did. And I just persuaded her about a half hour ago to let me, let me do this. <laughs> she read the post. It's fine. So we met. Oh, no. I have to find it. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I can do it. Wait, I, I figured it out a second ago. Yeah. Re Re Rebecca and I work in the same office. She takes care of my basic needs. Thank you. Anyway, anyway, we, we met. Thank you. So we've, we've been together 38 years. It literally was love at first sight. And it has been love at first sight for all of those 38 years. And it's been an amazing, fun journey. So this is the post that I came up with this morning. Our 36th anniversary today, all caps, exclamation mark. 25 years old each, one amazing night of blind encounter in the City of Angels, June 1980. Pren, of all the most of all the most ironic and instructive things through my dad, which is my story. Six weeks, second date, road trip a month later, comma. Long distance, Austin, Chicago, head over heels, love relationship, thereafter, comma. 
Two years later, a hell of a party in gritty Northwest Chicago, another amazing evening tying the knot, everyone awash in love and celebration and music and dance. Then Austin, Houston, Chicago, Denver, Madison, and finally, this awesome place 20 years ago. Three unbelievable children and son-in-law, a very proud papa, awesome quasi-children, which are children of our close friends who've grown up with us. Uh, the best, most amazing close friends in the world, some spanning back 45 years. A community full of love, generosity, kindness, honesty, intelligence, and of course, Mary. Her beauty and love and giving and care for everyone she meets radiates through her and shines the light on all of us. The best mom and wife and person. From that literal first second we met, oh no. <laughs> From that literal, literal first second we met, when we both told others the day after that we met the person we wanted to marry, and um, until today, Touch anything again. Just, just don't do it. Okay, okay. Can I hold? I'll start the sentence again, so we get back in the mood. From from that literal very first second, which was, I was so shocked when I opened the door and saw Mary. I stuttered. I was stoned, but that isn't, that, 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 that isn't why I stuttered. I was just like, oh my God. Uh, from, that very, from that literal very first second we met, when we both told others the day after, my mom, in my case, and her boss, in her case, that we each met the person we wanted to marry until today, 38 years later, what a blessed, full, educational, musical, outdoor, deeply spiritual, and fun journey we have had. I love you. All right, Chris with an H. Hello, how are you guys doing this evening? Oh, so this is a very personal story about the comma. I know we all have them. Um, so this goes back to high school. I know you're thinking this is going to be a really great, maybe sad comma story about being in high school and something happened and it sat around the comma. No, no, this is pretty mundane. Um, so I had, and I just had this flashback and every, hearing everyone's story. Uh, through stories throughout the evening about this thing that occurred to me and it's been suppressed and has come to the surface and so I'm sharing it with you now. So I had this English teacher, Dr. Livesey, 
really intense guy, really brilliant, and really kind of an egotistic prick also. So he gave us an assignment. I forget what the assignment is. Don't really care. Doesn't really matter. But there was a circle in the middle of a sentence, and it just said, see me. Pretty ominous. We kind of had a thing. He didn't like me. I didn't like him. So I go in, and uh, he says, do you know why you're here? And I'm thinking, grammar mistake, right? English class. And he's like, OK, did you mean to do that? And I said, the words on the page, yeah, none of that's an accident. They all, all those words I chose, and they're there deliberately. And he's like, no, the commas. And I'm like, what are we talking about here? Just say it. So he says, look at that. It's a sentence, comma, little bit of text, comma, and then the rest of the sentence. Did you mean to do that? I was like, again, not an accident. Oops, two commas separated by a thought in between. So <laughs> he, uh, he goes, do you know what that is? And I'm, I, I'm like, no, I don't know what it is. Why don't you tell me? He says, that's an appositive. And I'm like, of course it is. Absolutely. I would not doubt that. Um, and so he goes, did you mean to do it? I said, yes, I meant to do it. I mean, it doesn't happen by accident. Two commas separated by a thought. And he goes, ah. And he just kind of narrows his eyes and just looks at me. And there's this thing, this kind of like Mexican standoff. And I'm not just saying that because I'm Mexican. <laughs> but he takes out the red pen. And I know, cliche, it's always the red pen. But it was the red pen. And he draws a little line, and he puts a five, five off. I said, what'd you do that for? He says, that's an appositive. When you're a poet or a famous novelist, you can use that. But in high school, it doesn't fly. <laughs> and I was like, let me just <clears throat> get this straight. I've done something really remarkable here. So much so that we're having a conversation, which neither of us really like. And now I'm getting marked off for it. He says, yeah, that's about it, pal. I said, OK. And I walked out. And to this day, every time I use a comma, I think about the appositive. Now, <laughs> let's talk about the appositive. The appositive is, again, it doesn't have to be a complete sentence, but it's a thought that is crammed into the middle of the sentence. This information is so important, so crucial, so terrifying, so dark, so emotional, so important, that it breaks the narrative structure of the sentence, and it has to live there. Because in another sentence, it's too late. This has to be said now, OK? So. To make a long story short, preferably within five minutes, I challenge you to take a moment and whenever possible to break the narrative of your life, to find space, to put something important in, to use that space to discover something about yourself. Because the period is coming. It is always coming, <laughs> right?
be bold, be brave, be gracious, be thoughtful, be whatever you want to be, but take space in your narrative. Break that narrative before you get to that period. It is so important. You're going to get hell from it. Some people are going to mark you off with a red pen, <laughs> but it needs to be done. It needs to be done even if you're going to get beat up for it, and especially especially if the person that beats you up for it is you. Thank you. Kathleen Carr. Okay, so I'm so glad you stayed, and thank you very much for everybody who's uh, gone before me because it has been a fabulous evening. So tonight, my story is it's um, wife, widow, wife. And it goes back to the time in 2012 when my father died. And my mother and my father had been married for over 62 years. And my dad was 93 years old when he died. So that gives you some perspective. My mom was 84, and they were inseparable. So after, she, after he died, well, one thing you need to know is he died. And the other thing you need to take away from his story is that uh, they were only met, engaged, and married within like six weeks of each other, which was like incredible for this very conservative religious couple. But that's what they did. So anyway, they got married, had three of us, had a long life, very happy together, and then my dad died. And my mom sank into a huge depression, and this was in Cheyenne. So I moved her here in the wintertime to stay with us. And she lived with us for each of three winters. And because she was frail and because she was going blind, she got seriously depressed. So I decided, well, what am I going to do about this? She needs some friends because we're living in Boise. Her friends are in Cheyenne. And so I put her on an online dating. <laughs> okay, so you wouldn't think this would go that well. And at first, it really wasn't, didn't go that well because I had to be her on the dating scene, right? I mean, I did truth in advertising. I said, she's 84. Um, I said, she's got a master's degree in um, nursing education. Uh, she's retired, very conservative, very religious, and I just threw it out there to the universe. Well, of course, then the people started, men started chatting with me for her, and I'm like, ah, nope, you're in Texas, nope, you're in California, nope, you're in Pennsylvania, this won't work. So eventually she got a little bit happier and she went back to her life, and I forgot about the online thing. And then one day, she got three messages from a fellow in the same day. And I called her up. And I said, Mom, you've got three messages. And she goes, is this from that dating site? And I said, yes. And she goes, well, what does he look like? And I, <laughs> and I said, well, he's got a suit on, and he's uh, about your age. I mean, you know, give or take. And he's got a master's degree, and he's conservative, and he's religious, but I can't really see anything more. And she goes, well, do your Google thing. And so I, I took his image from Google. I don't know if you know this, but you can take the Google image, and you can download it, and then you can upload it, upload it into Google Images, and you can search the internet to see if you can find that same picture somewhere. So I did the Google image, and he showed up nowhere. 
And I, I researched his name and he showed up literally nowhere. But here's this nice looking man. Oh, and did I mention he lives in the same town as she does, Cheyenne, Wyoming. So here we had this huge situation with all these people who were interested in her and I just felt were too weird that after all of this time, there was somebody in her own town of Cheyenne. Like, is that kind of miraculous or marvelous or something? And I'm like, okay. So I called her back up and I said, well, I can't find that he's a pedophile or a criminal or, no offense, or... <laughs> She goes, well, um, so she goes, well, you're going to have to pay the money. I go, are you okay with me paying the $25 for the membership? Because it was her money. And she goes, yeah, pay the $25 because she's notoriously thrifty. And I said, okay. And so I get online and he has sent her three messages, like I said. And the first one said, is, do you still zip? Because her moniker I used online was not a real name. I use zip because um, that was her childhood nickname. And so I said, I responded, well, not as fast as I used to, because obviously she's 84. And uh, or actually now she's like 86. So, and, uh, and so then the next one is, he said, do you like to hold hands? And I'm like, oh. And I wrote back, yes. And then I called my mom and I said, mom, do you like to hold hands? <laughs> And she said, yes. And I said, okay. I said, I want out of the middle of this. <laughs> and she said, okay, give him my phone number. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yes, I'm sure. And I said, okay. So I gave him his phone number. And the next day, um, my brother, who lives in Cheyenne, took her up to Casper. It's four hours up. It's four hours back. I mean, that's what you do in Wyoming. You go on the road. So they went on the road. And when she got home, he had called her three times. And she got the phone messages, and then she called me. And she says, he's called me three times. And I said, did you call him? And she said, yes, of course. And I said, what happened? He wasn't there. And I said, <laughs> and I said, and I said, what did you do? Did you leave a message? Well, yes, but he wasn't there. And I said, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, he was at dinner. And I said, five o'clock and he's at dinner? Oh, you know, he's in a retirement home. I said, you don't know that? And she goes, yes, I do, because they all go to dinner at five o'clock. <laughs> And I said, well, even if he is, it's okay, Mom, it's okay. All you want is a friend, right? Just a friend. And so then, okay, then he, she called me back at 525, and she goes, I know him. And I go, you mean what? 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 Who do you know? The fellow, he's coming. He's coming for dinner. And I've got to go get ready. He's coming to pick me up. And I said, and see, she's 86 and he's 84. I said, the 84-year-old is coming to pick you up for dinner? He still drives? And she said, yes, and he's coming to get me, and we're going to dinner. And I said, okay. And so then, and she goes, and I know him, and it's Bert Budd. And then I'm like, oh, like, I know him, too, because I grew up in Cheyenne, and he was our PE teacher, and, <laughs> and he has seven children, and I went to school with two of them, and I know this family, and it's a good family. And so then um, she goes off to dinner, and I call my aunt, who is literally, oh, I have to stop with my story. Okay, well, so then my aunt, I tell her what's going on, and she says, well, okay, and then she kept calling me back. Is she home yet? Is she home yet? I'm like, no, I don't know. So at 9 o'clock, my aunt called me. You've got to call her and make sure she's home and she's safe. 
And so I call, and she goes, yeah, we had a wonderful time, and it was so fun, and he talked, and he talked, and he talked, and he's still here. And I said, Mom, it's 9 o'clock. She goes, I know. I said, Mom, it's 9 o'clock. He goes, we have nowhere we need to go tomorrow. <laughs> and with that, my mom married the fellow in less than a week, and they are still married. Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is brought to you by our story party, Amy Moran, Karis Kimball, Hannah Mae Schaefer, Karen Moore, Marnie Ellis, Bob Haycock, and me, Jody Eichelberger. We receive support from the Boise Arts and History Department. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise, our season sponsor, Pettit Group Real Estate, and the Kama Show sponsor, Sage Yoga and Wellness. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Our theme song was composed by Dan Costello, and our musical guest was Melissa Wilson. Support the storied program, get tickets to our live show, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Story Story Night. <laughs> <laughs>